0: Hello and welcome to P4A's Let's Talk Rare monthly podcast. Every month, we at Partners for Access bring to you some of the most important news developments in the orphan drug and cell and gene therapy world and what they mean to you. And welcome to P4A's Let's Talk Rare, a monthly rare disease cell and gene therapy podcast where we discuss the news that matter to you. I am Georgie Rank, Communication Executive at P4A, and I am joined by my colleagues, Akshay Kumar and Andrea Bernardini. Today, Akshay and Andrea will be discussing the top trends we at P4A think are the most important to look out for in the cell and gene therapy and orphan drug space for 2022. So without further ado, let's go to Akshay for his thoughts on the orphan drug landscape.
1: Thank you, Georgie. It's a very interesting question you asked, you know, what are the top trends for 2022? And Andrea and myself, we will be discussing the trends that are happening around drug development as well as drug HTA and pricing, which is going to impact the way pharma companies commercialize treatments going ahead. So I'm going to focus more on the development side while Andrea will be talking more on the commercialization side. So one big change which we're seeing, you know, especially in this post COVID era, is the rise of decentralized clinical trials. They have certainly demonstrated a key benefit by having the trial centered around the patient needs and bringing an increasing proportion of trial activities to the patients rather than following the old traditional trials, which required patients to go to a trial site. This has certainly proven its concept of bringing drugs faster to the market during this COVID era.
2: Actually, that's a very interesting point you're making there. If we also look at Italy in the last year, how many clinical trials? were filed, uh, 60% of them uh, had at least one digital or remote monitoring component, and IFA already showed quite a flexibility over the acceptance of these clinical trials. However, do you think that this change will likely impact orphan drug access?
1: Yes, so decentralized clinical trials, Andrea, are certainly here to stay. They have demonstrated the benefit of making it better patient experience, and speeding up the whole development process. However, also what has started to emerge are certain issues which then impact the way regulators and peers assess these treatments. As decentralized trials are becoming broader, we've started to see issues around keeping patients engaged during the trial itself. Dropout rates tend to be higher in decentralized trials. There have been studies also showing that the endpoints used tend to deviate sometimes from more traditional clinical endpoints which are measured in a trial site to more patient-reported outcomes or to more surrogate endpoints. You know, these are just a couple of factors, but there are various other elements, also the decentralized clinical trial. And as they become widely used, will require regulators and payers as well to show flexibility. And I think this is where pharma has a key role to play of engaging early with these stakeholders to really understand how to make your decentralized clinical trial a more efficient process. Because ultimately the goal for all parties concerned is bringing access to clinical value and high-value therapies to patients faster. So I certainly see that opportunity for pharma to shape the market. Now, also when you start looking at what's been happening with the whole adulum case with Alzheimer's, and that's around FDA accelerated approval. So regulators do have these accelerated pathways, FDA in particular, where 28% of the drugs approved last year went down these pathways. And essentially an accelerated pathway allows you to get regulatory approval when you don't have all of your clinical data, but with a commitment that you will collect this data, you know, post-regulatory approval. However, this adulum case has resulted in, you know, a lot of controversy with the drug being approved where the value just wasn't seen, and then payers in the U.S. backing off from paying for it. And all of this this controversy has resulted in the change of the FDA commissioner as well. So Robert Califf is now the new FDA commissioner. Are we going to see more reticence in showing that flexibility, which the regulators have shown in the past. And I think at least in the short term, there is that risk. You know, the controversy that adulam created could now spill over into other therapy areas, and especially orphan drugs, because 71% of orphan drugs go down this pathway. How is it going to change the development and costs of development? So on one hand, you're seeing developments like decentralized clinical trials to speed up access. But on the other hand, you could see the impact of regulators slowing down the process a bit, at least in the short term. I don't know, Andrea, what are your thoughts around the payover? How are they going to go about it?
2: Yes, actually. Actually, when you were uh, mentioning the latest potential changes in the FDA accelerated approval pathway, I thought straight away of news coming from Germany this month, payers sort of starting uh, to question the LIDAR HDA that, um, that is reserved to orphan drugs. And although the causes behind might be slightly different than the American market as Germany is ongoing and increasing pressure from COVID expenses, we see a similar approach where we see orphan drugs under a more substantial scrutiny.
1: And is this only a phenomenon with Germany, Andrea, or would you say this is broader?
2: I would say that it's an EU-wide trend. We see also the fact that we have EU-wide joint HTA, that it's the latest uh, news from the parliament. And these, although in theory, will give access to um, a broader basket of countries, at the same time, one can reasonably think that will slow down uh, the overall access procedure as well as a side effect.
1: So you're referring to joint clinical assessments, I take it, which the EU will be introducing in 2026. Exactly. And is it is it only coming from the HTA side, or are we seeing you know other countries also slowing down the process, or maybe even speeding it up? Do you see any bright spots in Europe?
2: We see uh, in other European markets, you know, some positive and exciting news. If we look at the latest uh, budget law for 2022 in Italy we see that there is an increase funds available for innovative drugs. Basically, an additional 100 million euros uh, will be added this year to the fund and over the next three years, a total of additional 600 million euros will be uh, available for, for this fund. At the same time, Italy is also aiming to have more of community hospitals and that can obviously increase reaching out to patients, a better diagnosis, and faster patient access to the population throughout the country.
1: I guess even you know, from a payer perspective, we are seeing a dichotomy like we are seeing from a regulatory and development perspective. On one hand, with technology and with the change in the whole healthcare environment post-COVID, we are seeing the emergence of new approaches that can speed up access, like decentralized trials, And even from a payer perspective, like Italy showing more flexibility for these treatments, which are coming down these pathways, as well as increasing budget. But then there are also policies emerging, like the EU joint clinical assessment policy, which could actually slow down access. So this is a very crucial time for pharma as an industry to engage with these stakeholders and maybe even do some introspection and think, you know, are there better ways that we can do things as an industry with the ultimate goal of speeding up access to innovative often drug cell and gene therapy for our patients. So, 2022, at least for me, is a year of change and the change from all the different stakeholders and players in the pharma space. What are your thoughts, Andrea? Any parting thoughts?
2: I think that COVID years were sort of a threshold and it is uh, an opportunity for all the stakeholders to be taken as a way to reinvent themselves and also their approaches to a common problem-solving which is faster patient access for these innovative therapies.
1: And I like the word reinvent, Andrea. I completely agree. I think this is the time where us as an industry, the onus lies on us to work with different stakeholders to find more effective and efficient ways of developing and commercializing innovative often drugs and cell and gene therapies for patients. The ultimate goal for all of us is ensuring that the right patient gets access to the right treatment at the right time. In A sustainable manner, both for the healthcare system as well as industry.
0: Thank you to Akshay and Andrea for your interesting thoughts on what we can expect in the rare disease space in 2022. If you are interested in learning more, we are producing a white paper looking at the top trends we see for 2022 and what that means for you. Do keep up to date with our latest p 4 e insights by following us on LinkedIn. We at P4A help support ATMP and orphan drug manufacturers in their pursuit of a successful launch. If you want to find out more about us or are facing a specific challenge that you need support on, please do reach out to the P4A team at contact at partnersforaccess.com. Thank you for listening. And that's it for this month. For more Partners for Access insight and analysis, please go to our website, www.partnersforaccess.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to leave a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.